world's becoming a dangerous place for us women. Lipstick Bodyguard looks just like an innocent little lipstick, but it'll instantly drop any attacker to his knees so you can get away unharmed. Lipstick Bodyguard. Fear no evil. Get yours today only at LipstickBodyguard.com. Broadcasting from behind the Second Amendment Iron Curtain in the shadows of the New York City skyline, this is Gun For Hire Radio, the voice of one million New Jersey gun owners, with your hosts, Sandy Berardi and Master Firearms Trainer, Anthony Calandra. Hi, from the land that freedom forgot, the most listened to Second Amendment broadcast in the nation. Welcome to it. We are taping today from a remote, remote location. Yes, double secret location. Yes, I've been in Naples, Florida for the past week. Now it's not double secret anymore. Yeah, that's, there it goes. <clears throat> and uh, I'll be staying down here for at least another week. I was going to stay down here forever, uh, but <laughs> but unfortunately, I have a huge business expansion launching very yeah, shortly. Kind of needs your attention, I think. Uh, yeah, and uh, but I needed a break. To be honest with you, since we sued the governor last year to reopen the range in July, uh, I have worked literally seven days a week, almost every week. An occasional week, I worked six and a half days. So Slacker. other than. Yeah, other than taking off to go to an NRA board meeting or something like that, I've been there every day. So this two weeks uh, was long, long overdue. So since everything is upside down in a bizarre, bizarre world, uh, I follow the Babylon Bee on Instagram, but I don't get their emails. And John McConnell, who's a longtime Gun for Hire alumni and listener, he sent me this uh, parody email. And I want to share it with everyone because this is actually going to become the truth soon. Uh, guns are on their way out, and thank goodness, we can't wait to return to the utopian paradise we lost when guns were invented back in 1804. <laughs> <laughs> so here's some things that you can prepare for now once all guns are gone. If an armed burglar is breaking into your house with guns that are illegal, <laughs> the first thing you can do is call your local social worker. <laughs> Okay, get on the phone and call up a state therapist to help you to work out your differences. That's number one. Yeah. Number two is my favorite. I think almost everyone can share this. Is Have your kids leave all their Legos out on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> a surefire defense strategy, though sometimes it backfires and you actually step on them yourself. <laughs> number three. Make sure that you hang a gun-free zone sign in your window. Right. It's a little-known fact that the burglars must stop and not shoot you if you inform them your home is a gun-free zone. It's <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Here's another good one. Number four, turn the thermostat up to 80 so it will be uncomfortably hot for burglars. <laughs> After a few hours of looting your stuff, they will need to take a break and go outside to cool down, and you can lock them out. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds like that. Remember the college that uh, said you, if you're being raped, you need to vomit on people. Stick your stick your finger down your throat. Illinois State Police, if you're being raped, stick your finger down your throat and throw up on the aggressor, and he'll probably stop. <laughs> probably, stop. probably stop. We can't be sure. No. Number five, this is a great one for you inner city and millennials and Generation Xers. Bust out the Nerf guns. One of those crazy cool ones with a drum magazine your rich friends had growing up will surely intimidate the intruder. <laughs> and for you really, really youngsters that don't know who Rube Goldberg is, Google Rube, mm -hmm. R-U-B-E, Goldberg. This one, number six, is rig up a complex Rube Goldberg booby trap that incapacitates the criminals in hilarious ways. Hear us out on this one. Try, uh, they step on a panel that activates a wire that pulls down a bucket of water that goes down a funnel and pushes a bowling ball, which swings down and hits them in the head, causing permanent brain damage. <laughs> oh, then they sue you. And number seven, ask them to hug it out. When all else fails, mm. just be the bigger man and ask the criminal to hug it out with you. Bring it in, man. 
I want to thank so John for true. that. That was phenomenal. I just, I just love it. Uh, you have to make light because this is what, like Governor Murphy, Governor Free Stuff, he oh, would yeah. love for oh, us love that. Yeah. to, um, to be that way. Now, meanwhile, back in the reality of New Jersey, all of you listening to this, we have that NRA, ANJRPC, and CNJFO lawsuit. Uh, a new, we filed a new legal brief in the lawsuit seeking to overturn New Jersey's unconstitutional carry laws. The state of New Jersey is trying to delay the case, of course, okay? This brief was co-authored by Dan Schmutter. And whatever the outcome, the case is in its early stages and will need to move to the middle-level federal courts before it can be considered uh, by the Supreme Courts. In the meantime, the U.S. Supreme Court could decide as early as Monday on, the, we know, the, the Collette case, the New York carry case. But New Jersey, again, is wrangling and trying to buy time and delay our case um, against the carry laws. Because that's all they do is just keep pushing it out, pushing it out, pushing it out. And many people I know that were freedom fighters since the beginning of time have died and we still haven't seen concealed carry. I started fighting for concealed carry in New Jersey at a, a young age of 30 and I'm 60 now, Sandy, half of my life. Yeah, when you think about it. Half of my life, and it's been within our clutches three times with the Supreme Court already. The Cheeseman case, the ANJRPC NRA, the two cases slipped through our hands. Um, a couple of other independent cases because the Supremes refused to take action. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. We just have to, I guess, continue to keep fighting. Meanwhile, we're re I'm reading all of these op-eds about Murphy's pointless gun laws mm -hmm. and how they only affect the law-abiding citizens, which we all kind of knew, you know, from the beginning of time. Right. But you know, Murphy proposed all of these new gun laws, which are basically it's all posturing and grandstanding because he's trying to get reelected in. Uh, what's it, November he runs again? Yes. Right, right. So we all know it's a bunch of crap. It's supposed to keep us safe. Meanwhile, it does nothing, nothing whatsoever to affect criminals. All it does is affect law-abiding citizens over and over and over again. So it's just, it's just crap. It's just more posturing, grandstanding, and crap. Meanwhile, like we say all the time, we have this revolving door, catch and release criminal justice system. All right, in New, in New Jersey, New York, where we just keep letting people, violent felons, back out on the street, committing the majority of the crime. So every, our, our lawmakers get together and go, oh, wait, let's pass a law to make it harder for law-abiding citizens to get guns. Let's make it so everything is a trap. Right. That's the biggest thing. Let's make it so everything is a trap. And I'm going to talk about, I have an email from Robert, uh, my, my buddy Robin here to talk about that as well. We know that all of the laws, that's why Evan Knappen had to come out with his book, the gun law book. Yeah. Because it is so gray area owning guns and, and, uh, and having guns in the, in the state of New Jersey that it scares people from getting guns. The delay tactics by the police departments and towns and the state police. Again, it's all a plot to wear us down, wear us down, wear us down. So Robin, who's become a, um, a firearms uh, activist all of a sudden because he had to wait for his permit for almost a year in Teaneck. All right. And he wrote this little synopsis up. He wrote, inaccurate wording of New Jersey gun laws. The fight for accuracy in all aspects of gun laws. He, the problem overview, this synopsis he wrote, gun laws are written to be completely vague, but offer a felony, monetary payments, jail sentencing, and a loss of your Second Amendment rights, sometimes all together in one shot. Exactly, Robin, and all our other listeners out there. That's why we get asked so many questions on any given day at Gun for Hire. Is it legal for me to do this? Can I do this with a transfer? Can right. I drive this way? Right. The, they want the law to be ambiguous because they want you to get arrested. They want you to be scared. They don't want you to own guns, okay? The only thing Robin found clear is the sentencing. That part, however, is very clear and straight to the point with no question in punishment. Right. Okay. Okay. Right. So he writes, standards of doing business, the use of the words that have many meanings and give no defined understanding to the use of such words. Objective, 
trap law-abiding gun owners, put fear in the minds of, and heart of men, women, and children of legal age and maybe that may be thinking about exploring the joy of sportsmanship of firearms, be it for whatever lawful reason. First step, confusion of words that no sane person can understand. Exactly. Right. Example of this first rule, storage of firearms taken from Evan Knappen. Are three requirements concerning the storage of New Jersey firearms? Answer, yes. Under NJS 2C5815, it is unlawful to store a firearm where the individual knows or should know that a minor could gain access to it in a securely locked box or container. More accurately, why not say a gun or a gun box to be accurate or any container made for the containment of a firearm? This will clearly separate the lawful from the unlawful purposes, okay? One slice of our rights. Because it says it's, it, it should be stored in a securely locked box or container. Why not just say a gun case or a gun safe? Yeah, would a Tupperware so, again, thing it, work? Correct. Or? Correct. Does, does Tupperware work? You know, if you put it in a child lock, Trial-proof lock container, is that good? Again, ambiguous to get you trapped. Number two, in a location where a reasonable person would believe to be secure. More accurately, in a location that no person can enter without forced entry to access to your firearms. Hmm. Also state, if a person is without child or children, the law has no bearing on such persons by way of exemptions. That's a great point. But then, Robin, they'd say, well, what if somebody broke into your house? Right. Okay, this does not mean to be careless, but it should not infringe on individuals that are exempt from its ruling. <laughs> Forget it. Then we talk about trigger locks. That's number three, that we should store a gun. And uh, Robin's take is, more accurately, a trigger lock is a device that can be placed on the trigger of a firearm. It is the sole decision, sole legal and personal responsibility of the owner of a firearm to explore the many means of safely barring the trigger from the normal function by a child. Use the words child and children to be accurate. This is easily something every gun owner would not disagree with. The safety of children around firearms is paramount. But we just they just write New Jersey, a trigger lock. Right. The problem with the lack of clarity and the stated laws above, okay, over and over again, Robin goes through this whole thing. Make a clear definition of a child of a minor or a child and a teenager or a child and a young adult. And then finally, a child and an adult. Yeah, but what is an adult today? Now they want us not to own guns until we're 21. Can't can vote at 16, can't smoke until you're 21, but you can die in a, a senseless war at 18 years old. Right. Uh, I don't know. It's, we, there's no definitions that fit anymore. But he wrote, more accurately, if the firearm was obtained by a minor by way of an unlawful entry by any person, not excluding to unlawful entry, Okay, these procedures, it doesn't say like, if, what if a bad guy came in and stole your, your gun? Are you liable for that? Right. See, when, when, men, when a person looks at the many laws with such strange and inaccurate wording, closer inspection will show that the careful clause in defending criminals and contem condemning law-abiding citizens. So, he's, so Robin's like, what can we do? He's like, we can first hold these people to be clear and accurate in their speech. Robin, lawmakers know nothing about the law. They, what, did, what did Loretta Weinberg That's say on right. our show, Sandy? We just we make the laws and let them fight it out in the court. Correct. They know nothing about the law. But the anti-gun people that sit behind these supposed lawmakers, they write these on purpose to be ambiguous. You will not get any clear, defined answers in any bill that comes through and it's ratified to become a law we are never going to get accurate wording okay he writes gun laws are written by the men and women that wish to not only confuse us but impose shame to your family's name make you pay fines more than any criminal will ever have to repay take away your rights to bear arms forever by way of federal felony charge for simple misunderstanding with zero harm to any person correct no criminal intent 10 to 15 years in state prison, all based on words not understood by the average law-abiding citizen. It is so true, but let me tell you something. We're not going to change it in our lifetime unless there's a, a whirlwind of change. Yeah, you're right. Lawmakers have progressed over the years, over the past 235 years in this country, to write laws that way to make them confusing, to make them to be construed. Listen, if the laws were written clearly, Robin, we wouldn't need the Supreme Court to step in. Right. 
right? The, oh, this is the law, and that's it. Nope, now we have to question the law. Did it mean this or did it mean that? They're smart in their ways. They're clever like foxes, as we should, as we should all say and all be aware of. Look what they want to do now. They want to, uh, they want to pack the Supreme Court, okay? And they also want to uh, put term limits in the Supreme Court. So the House and the Senate, the very people that have been in office 30, 40, 50, 125 years, they want to impose term limits on the third branch of the federal government. <laughs> okay, so I'm sitting there, I've been in office 47 years, right. the Supreme Court should have term limits. Is that not p the pot calling the kettle black, Sandy? Oh, it's ridiculous, well, but it's typical. <sighs> We had the Supreme Court, by the way, our Colette case, they punted it for another week of conferences. But they also, on Monday, declined to take three challenges to a federal ban on gun ownership for people convicted of nonviolent crimes. I'm an advocate of this. Nonviolent crimes. Everybody deserves a second chance. All right? Unless you're a pedophile or you hurt animals. Then you don't deserve a second chance. That's very true, yeah. Okay, that's going to be my little disclaimer. There's a special place in hell for those people. But here's the deal. Many gun rights groups, including FPC, led by my old friend Adam Kraut, we're trying to get a federal law that says, wait a minute, or a federal ruling. If you were convicted of uh, writing bad checks when you were 26 years old, and you did your time, and you paid your dues, and now you're 60 years old, should you be exempt from getting a gun for the rest of your life if it was a nonviolent felony? Sandy, let's hear, I want to hear you weigh in on this. No, I don't think you should. It was a nonviolent felony, and if you've paid your debt to society, in quotes, no, absolutely not. You know how when like somebody gets busted for drunk driving, they get a six-month suspension, and then you'll see sometimes the third time they lose their license for 10 years? Right, right. So, again, like go back to Robin. So we have you commit a nonviolent felony. So now, first of all, we have to define what's violent and what's not violent. Yeah. Right. right, right. I only smacked her upside the head once. Is that really violent? Right, or is right. it three what's smacks really violent? violent? Yeah. Was it? Yeah, exactly. What level of violence? But if we I wasn't had a black angry and when I killed her. So <laughs> if we had a black and white uh, meter for violent and nonviolent felons, if you had a moratorium that says, all right, you committed that felony, you paid your dues, you paid your fines, you did your time, now we're going to let 10 years elapse. And after 10 years, you can reapply for your gun ownership. I'm fully okay with that. Right. But what did the Supreme Court do with the three cases, Sandy? They kicked the can down the road again. It's okay. so They kicked. It down again. It never ever ends. And then what do they do? They attack us, the law-abiding gun owners, for everything. But I feel, I really feel, after Kavanaugh, I've said this a million times. After Kavanaugh's appointment, with uh, everything going on, the way they attacked him, that the majority of the Supreme Court, especially on the conservative side, except Thomas, is afraid to take a real stand because of the attacks that will follow. I believe you're absolutely right. You don't want, you want more proof of the uh, catch and release criminal justice system? First of all, I don't know if I mentioned this on previous shows because I've talked to Tracy and other friends and family about it. What what happened? Why, why do we have this such an uptick on Asian hate crimes all of a sudden? Right. I mean, I mean, did it yeah. always exist and now it's just in the media spotlight because we, we think the coronavirus is the China virus, so every Asian is responsible for it? And, and, is this and, the and, level of ignorance we're dealing with now? And is there really? I mean, I can't believe any data anymore from anywhere. Is it just normal? Is yeah, it just nor a normal is, is violence just, yeah, that's is reoccurring? It, is it just a rise in general violence and all of a sudden... Uh, now we're cherry picking who we're looking at. Is this because just a certain percentage of the norm? Because I don't know about you, but I've I've looked at people across a subway station and go, I'd like to slap them. But it was never because they were no, Asian no, or black or white or green. I just didn't like them, <laughs> you, you know. Yeah, uh, exactly. And it's just weird. But but here's what happens. So we talk about this. The media jumps all over it. They have a you know, um, um, they have this tissy fit about it, but. 
they just had a guy. They had undercover Asian cops out in sting operations. Oh, okay. okay. This guy, uh, Ricardo Hernandez, attacked an undercover Asian cop at 5.30 p.m. on a Saturday. He, okay, he beat the cop up a little bit before the other cops jumped and intervened. He was back out on the street four hours later because of bail reform laws in New York. <laughs> just, just, okay? It's just upside down. So we, we talk a big game, but we don't do crap about it. We talk a big game. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. Oh, my God. Now, I want to talk about... Um, um, the George Floyd thing, real quick, okay? So Chauvin got uh, was found guilty in all three counts, and from what I understand, he's 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 really not going to do forty years in prison. You know, I I from what I understand, he might only do fifteen years in prison. Only fifteen years. Correct, but you know, there's some backfiring where you open your mouth. Uh, uh, Maxine Water went there and incited violence, and the judge said while the jury was uh, sequestered that uh, his defense team uh, now have a reason for an appeal because of Maxine Waters' public statements before the jury was sequestered. While the jury was sequestered, uh, Joe Biden came out and said stuff that I hope the jury you know, comes out in the right way. So here we are again. The executive branch is, is intimidating the judicial branch, right? The police. The judicial system. Yeah. People need to keep their mouth shut, though, this because I believe Chauvin should, you know, die in prison. He should probably end up like Jeffrey Dahmer. Somebody should beat him with a mop. Uh, but uh, see, now uh, I'm not sure. Of, uh, he, I haven't followed any of it, right? And uh, what I was wondering was why, even though the medical examiner said that the uh, George Floyd had three times the lethal dosage of fentanyl in his system. And that that was the cause of death. I, I don't. But Sandy, I, I don't understand. San, but Sandy, now that was. There's both three sides to every story. You still don't keep your knee on somebody's uh, throat for nine minutes. No, I get With people that. around you screaming, EMTs telling you to get right, off of them. Right. Two or three other cops who haven't gone to trial yet, complicit in the whole thing. Now, what I think is the best thing that could happen for all of us, so we don't have to go through a whole retrial and appeal and maybe more uh, civil unrest and everything, is you know for him to do like something admirable in the Roman days and give himself a nap, or maybe once the, but they put him in general population, somebody else is going to put him to sleep, well, and you know, that would just yeah. save us all a lot of a lot of trouble. So. People that have shot guns before, people that have done any type of training from the lowest level to the highest level, if you shot in any kind of league, IDPA, USPSA, any, anything like that, if you saw the tragic shooting of the 16-year-old Ohio teen, did you even see that, Sandy? No, I did not. Okay, well, her name was Makia Bryant. There's video out there, all different angles of the video, and uh, this police officer gets a call of a fight, and the body cam footage shows in uh, 11 seconds, basically, he exited his vehicle, he saw one woman chase another woman to the ground, and then that same woman turned with a huge, like, J.A. Henkel chef's knife, uh, and just get ready to plunge it into yeah a huge chef's knife, wow. and he she just got ready to plunge it into another young girl's body oh who God. was pinned against a car. And the whole time, from the time the cop got out of the car, his body cam is like, "What's going on? What's going on? Uh, get down! Get down! Get down!" And then he fires four shots, which are four unbelievably stressed shots because the the, the knife wielding uh, young girl was literally covering 50% of the body of the girl who was about to be stabbed. And he, 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 he killed the six, tragically the 16-year-old girl died because she didn't comply. And then, of course, all of the legal experts, all of the police experts on, on all of the media came out. He should have shot the knife out of her hand. <laughs> he should have shot her in the leg. He should have used her, his taser. And then we had other people in the committee saying it was just a fight between two girls. He shouldn't have broken it up. Oh, my God. Everybody, now, now listen, there are cases like George Floyd, which unquestionably to me was an execution. 
this case where a police officer rolls up on a scene, doesn't know what's going on, and within nine seconds, eight, seven or eight seconds, sees a girl chasing another girl and holding her with, with her left arm and has her right arm out ready to plunge the knife into her and makes that split-second decision to save another life. Yeah, right. And the yeah. other life that he actually saved was a, an African-American girl who was 13 or 14 years old. Oh, my goodness. But the media focused on him executing a 16-year-old girl. Now, do you think that cop woke up that morning and said, I want to kill a minority today? No, of course I not. want to kill anybody today? Right. Uh, that, that guy woke up and says, I want to come home safe tonight. I don't even want to fill out a police report right. if I don't have to. Right. Exactly. Okay. But right away, he was attacked. Okay. And, and uh, like LeBron James tweeted a picture of him and said, justice or something, and you're next to his 50 million followers. He doxed this cop, released his name and everything. And then he, he after that, he, he deleted it. You know, we have a criminal justice system. We have a process. Every case is under the microscope now. I don't think it's going to be like the 40s and 50s in Alabama now where uh, cases that were iffy are going to be swept under the rug. I don't think the media or the general population will allow that anymore. But I think that our leaders on all sides need to step in and tell everybody, let's calm down and wait until the facts Come in exactly. before before we try somebody in the public forum. Exactly. Listen, anybody that questions that, go do a simunitions class or a UTM <laughs> class or a fats machine or That's any right. shoot, don't right. shoot scenario. Right. Exactly. I, I want to see how you handle it. Exactly. We saw, I, them, I, we saw them shit the bed regularly during Sims. All the, all the, uh, the, the, uh, the uh, uh, what do you, what do you, what do you used to call them? The, the armchair warriors? Oh, uh, yeah. The, uh, the mall ninjas and armchair warriors <laughs> yeah. all come out of the woodwork right. and then put them in a, put them in a shoot, no shoot scenario right. and let's see what, what happens. Right. And you know what happens, right? They all yeah. shit the bed. Yep. And, because no, listen, not, we're talking this. You see, when you see the body cam footage, Sandy, he rolled out onto the scene, and there was a melee going on in the street, similar to stuff I was involved in when I was when I was a kid. I just didn't right. have a uh, butcher knife. I didn't have a butcher knife with me, right. and uh, you know he he had a he had a make a split second decision, and the split second decision was wait this larger girl was about to plunge a knife into the smaller girl who was pinned between the larger girl and the side of the vehicle. And the knife was up and heading right towards the center of mass of the victim. Mm. And he fired. And he took, listen, afterwards, you know, in hindsight, he's probably regretting it, but he knows he did the right thing. And, and neighbors and friends and other camera angles came out after everybody tried him in the public court. Look, if and he's a human like, being, he'll regret this for the rest of his life. Of, of course he will. He woke up that day. He didn't right. want to go shoot a 16-year-old girl. Right. Exactly. You know but, what that's going to do to his head for the rest of his life? But the, but the end of the day, he saved a 13-year-old girl's life. Yes, correct. Okay, tragic. But in the end, this is the problem. People just jump to conclusions right away, and we have... We have people rioting and going out on the street. Listen, there's plenty of unjustified, you know, shootings and everything else like that. This, from my view, without all of the facts, just from watching two different angles of the video, uh, his body cam and a ring doorbell or a garage video or something, it, he had no other choice. He, I mean, there was, there was prominent African-American leaders saying it was just two girls fighting. He should have let them fight it out. Oh she was about God. to plunge a knife. In her. Uh, and now what if the cop had allowed that to happen? Yeah, he'd be hung on a hook. I'm telling you, you're not. Now, New Jersey, Murphy just passed the thing where cops could retire after 20 years without health benefits. You see this happening all over the country. There's going to be an extreme shortage in law enforcement. Oh, yeah, sure. There's yeah. going to be an extreme shortage in yep. law enforcement uh, from, every, from every ethnic background. Yep. Who is going to want to be a cop today? Right. No, no one's going to want to be a cop today. No one's going to want to do it. And the ones that are going to want to be the cops are going to be the John Waynes. The very wrong people. Correct. Correct. The very wrong people are going to want to be police officers, and it's going to be worse. Yeah. Okay? Exactly. It is going to be worse. So... <laughs> 
remember I, we talked about last week John Lapalato, uh, La, 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 uh, who wrote, he's a liberal gun owner, and he wrote for Ammo Land, and he got attacked all, all over the place and stuff. Yes, yes, yes. He had sent an email. He wrote, just listen to the episode today while doing work around the house. was a heck of a readout. Thank you. For what it's worth, I kind of wish the article didn't call me moderately anti-gun. I said I was that way. I think it's clear my views have changed a bit. Hopefully, I'll be at the range sometime next month with a buddy of mine to try all that stuff out. Uh, For your information, if you wanted more info for a show, I found this article that you might find interesting. And he sent me a CNN article. All the talking heads on CNN said the cops shouldn't have shot that woman, by the way. (laughs) Although Anderson Cooper and uh, Fredo Cuomo uh, were objective and uh, said that, you know, uh, it had to be done. The cop had to do that, which I found really surprising. Yeah, very. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The political script following the recent mass shootings in Boulder, Colorado, and Atlanta feels all too familiar. Democrats led by President Joe Biden want Congress to pass gun control legislation. <laughs> Did you notice after Joe Biden came out and what his gun control bills and stuff, nobody and, and his uh, his ideas and executive orders, it, there's been no movement on it? Yeah, right. Exactly. Okay, so this was a poll that CNN did, which they hate when this happens. It's Pew Center and CNN. Number one, Americans don't think Democrats reflect their views on guns. Okay, 46% of respondents actually said the Republican Party reflected their views on gun policy, while only 42% of Democrats reflected it better. That's kind of weird, though, right? I mean, it's almost a split. It's, yeah, it's driven by the media. If you didn't have the media poison in there, the numbers would be skewed more towards people who want to keep their guns. Yeah, I do believe that, too. Number two, stricter gun control broadly isn't all that popular. 41% were dissatisfied and wanted stricter gun laws, okay? Uh, and 50% didn't. Kind of split also, but not what you would think what the media and our, and our lawmakers lead us to believe, right? Right, right. Passion remains on anti-gun control side. Uh, It it leads by 10 points that people do not want any more gun control. But we're told that 90% of the Americans want stronger background checks and stronger gun control. How often has that narrative been used? Oh, it's constant. Right, constant. 90% of gun owners want background checks, want this and want that. Yeah, it's how you pose the question. Yes, exactly. Right. Okay? So anti-gun people like to tout some polls showing 80 or 90% of the people want strict gun control. But again, the data doesn't bear it out. Take care and safe travels, John. It, listen, it's all a media narrative. Yep. All a media narrative. When we come back, we're going to talk about the knockout game is back, Sandy. Oh, great. Yes. For many people walking into a range the first time, it's quite intimidating. So when you walk in through the double doors, the first thing you'll see on your left is a concierge. When people walk in, they can take a tour of the range, or maybe they're coming in for an appointment with one of my instructors or me, and they'll be directed to the right classroom. It kind of softens the entire experience and makes people feel more at home. As you walk further into the range, you're going to notice we have New Jersey's only indoor 50-yard range, which is heated and air-conditioned. The dividers at each port are bulletproof. They're extra wide ports so two people can stand side by side and shoot. There's lights in the ports so you're well lit. We also have three times as much light down range that the average range would have because I believe it's important that the targets are well lit. Our target retrieval system is all digital. You program how many feet you want to send it out and it stays there. Both of our ranges are tactically baffled which means when we run our higher level courses, you can move forward to the firing line and shoot in any direction and bullets can't escape. When you come out of the 50 yard range, to your left you'll see our large classroom and go back up to the concierge and make a right, we have two smaller classrooms. And those classrooms are for small one-on-one classes, our Build-A-Bear, building an AR. As you enter through there, you'll see that we have a uh, portal with a key to go into our Platinum Lounge. They can sit around and watch TV on the leather uh, chairs or couches, and they can maybe work deals with their uh, clients. And you normally don't see a cafe 
in an indoor range. In New Jersey, we have this archaic law where you're only supposed to go from your house to the range, range to the house with no unnecessary deviations. I'm seeing a lot more families coming in now where they have multiple kids and the wife will stay in the cafe with one or two kids and they'll do a handoff. To me, it's very important that people are treated like family, so the bathrooms are very high-end. We use marble and corian and really nice tile and full-length dividers so that people are comfortable when they come in. When you exit the bathroom, you'll see the Gun For Hire radio studio where Sandy and I tape our show. After you pass that and you make a left, you'll notice our retail area. Over 120 firearms for rent. As you turn 180 degrees, you see the large sections of bulletproof glass. That's our 25-yard range. And inside our 25-yard range, we have 13 ports. Those ports are even wider than the 50-yard range. Both ranges have full-time range safety officers. In case you have any questions or concerns, they're there to help you. So it's housekeeping time before we get into the knockout game. Jay Factor's got a two-way case coming up. We're waiting for the Supreme Court to make a ruling on the Collette case, if they're going to take it or not, or punt it down the road. The new range will be open shortly. Phase one, two new ranges right attached to the old building. One member range, one non-member range. Uh, we're going to have a pop-up quarantine crawl food every weekend, a large lounge and refreshment area, 220 parking spaces, many, many more surprises, a huge retail area, a member's buyer's club. So if you're a member of Gun For Hire, Woodland Park Range, gold, silver, red, white, and blue, blue platinum, or our um, uh, New York member, get your membership now because we're going to have perks and a buyer's club for all of you guys. My training team led by Tony Urena and Bob Prouse are second to none, as well as all my range safety officers and retail and concierge staff. We're also going to have rubber traps in these two new ranges where you can shoot steel jackets, steel core, and green tip ammunition. And we are going to have a 15-port members-only range. Sweet. Members, yep. This will we'll be opening probably by 4th of July. We'll have a grand reopening. And phase two, we are going to have more ranges on the second floor as well as meeting and party rooms and a 6,000 square foot private cigar lounge for members only. Beat that with a stick, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Marty's V Burger, martysvburger.com. Mention Gun for Hire, Gun for Hire Radio, get 20 percent off he is also at freaking vegans in prospect park on freaking fridays also if you live in new york ny tac defense new york tech defense mention gun for hire get three dollars and fifty cent off the monthly membership of thirty five dollars pete tillam will guarantee you legal help should you get into a jam if you live in the other 49 states u.s law shield use code gun for hire for 10 percent off your membership if you need to read a book in the crapper, Decoding <laughs> Firearms by John Petrolino, available on Amazon as well as the Gun for Hire retail area. John is a great guy, prolific writer, two-way advocate, and a great friend of ours. So support those who support you. Anybody out there, new or old, that are getting into guns or have been into guns, get yourself a copy of Decoding Firearms. It answers all your questions. The Gun Lawyer Podcast, exposing the truth about the laws designed to strip you of your freedoms. Check out Gun Lawyer Evan Knappen on every type of platform you can find. My book, uh, Crime Proof, Think Like a Criminal and Beat Them at Their Own Game. The books will start shipping around Memorial Day, ladies and gentlemen. They're in transit, in production, final production going into transit. Uh, please pre-order them. If you pre-order them, I will sign them. If you don't pre-order them, you're going to have to pay me dearly for an autographed copy. Crimeproofbook.com. Check it out. Also, the quarantine crawl. Support those who support you. 307 Pro 2A Businesses, Products, and Services. Let's talk about one now. We have Mama Yolanda's uh, 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 Gravy and Sauce. Uh, Brad Halpt, who was an NRA instructor, advocate, and everything, uh, came up with this phenomenal product. He has sent me two cases of the product, the marinara sauce and the pasta vodka sauce. All of my uh, staff and myself and my mom, we all used it and we loved it. And if you go to MamaYolandas.com, 
you will get a 15% discount and there are no limits on how many times a 2A supporter can use this code until it expires on September 30th, okay? They make an Ita Italian, authentic Italian gravy or a classic pasta a vodka sauce, okay? So all you have to do is go to mamayolandas.com, okay? They're there, you know, Brad is just a great guy. He goes, thank you for all you do to educate and evangelize people on self-defense. You have been a model of inspiration for me personally. He inspires me personally. Um, when we met many years ago, I was a passive annual member of the NRA. I am now proudly a benefactor and Golden Eagles member of the NRA, and I have life memberships at SAF and JPFO. And after a painfully long time away from teaching due to medical problems, Brad is in a wheelchair, by the way, that I've endured since leaving New Jersey. I'm about be to begin teaching the NRA basic and first shots pistol classes for handgun, rifle, and shotgun at my local range. Great. Rock on. All right. Uh, I'm also lobbying for the ability to teach the refuse to be a victim class there too. Your friend Brad Wheels helped. Chief <laughs> Operating Officer Mama Yolanda's traditional sources. P.S. Sadly, it's been years since anyone has offered to push me off a roof. <laughs> So let me tell you the backstory about that. So Brad and I became friends. He took all of the NRA instructor classes under me, and we became great friends. And of course, he's in a wheelchair, so I nicknamed him Wheels, right? I'm so creative. <laughs> and uh, we joked around a lot. And, and what happened was he brought to light, when, you're, when you bring somebody with any type of disability to the range, like I always assumed, like have we all not, that are not in a wheelchair, have we all not played in a wheelchair? Yeah, in a hospital right. or whatever, sure. Sandy, yeah. right? But we have all our faculties, right? So I learned from Brad, <clears throat> who was basically paralyzed from the nipple line down, mm. that if I had handed him like an M1 Garand to shoot in his performance wheelchair, he would just fall forward and onto the range floor. Right. Where he had to reposition his body to change the fulcrum point so that he could hold balance that gun. I had never thought of that. I'm thinking about giving a, a person that has full function of their body a gun in a wheelchair, and it's going to be the same as me, but they're not. Right. So, you, you know, and then people have different wheelchairs, electric wheelchairs. So should they shoot from a bench rest position? Is it okay to even hand? So he, what ended up happening was I taught him how to become an NRA instructor. He taught me and my staff how to train people with disabilities. When the Gun for Hire Woodland Park Range first opened, we had built everything ADA compliant. Brad came through the entire range and made a list of like eight pages for me of, of suggestions stuff that, didn't that work. we should do right. and change to make it more comfortable yep. for people with disabilities. And we did it all. Right, that the architects screwed up on. Correct. Well, because the, the, the architect's not in a wheelchair. Right, exactly. So, I mean, talk about you learn from everybody. So Brad is just this wealth of knowledge, and we need him. You know, we need somebody like him. So I spoke at a, uh, a, a tea party. They wanted a two-way speaker. I spoke at a tea party at the library in Wayne, I think, and I put it on Facebook. This is a long time ago. This is when the tea party was roaring, right? So maybe eight, nine years ago. Hmm. And uh, I put it out on in the social media that I was going to be there. And lo and behold, maybe 50 uh, Anthony Gun for Hire supporters came to hear me speak. And Brad was there. So we had a check-in, and they had two, like, blue-haired women from the Golden Girls sitting at a table right. to have us check-in. And Brad was next to me, and uh, the library looked like it was one level or something. And I said, in all straight face to the two women, I said, excuse me, I said, is there access to the roof here? And the woman's like, yeah, I, I believe there's a, uh, an elevator on, on the other side. I said, oh, good, because I want to take him up there and push him off the roof. <laughs> Pointing to Brad in the wheelchair. And Brad just looks, and he looks at the two women, and he just, like, nods his head like, yes, this is going to happen. Like, like, fawning or something. And the two women were, like, pushed themselves back in the chair because they thought I was serious. And then him and I, he wheeled away with me, and we laughed our asses off around <laughs> the <laughs> you know, great. you have to make light. Everybody that comes into our range that has any type of disability, whether it's a cane, walker, wheelchair, we treat everybody with the same respect that they deserve. Uh, a little known fact, if you come in in a wheelchair, we have a, a cardboard tee that the targets hang from. We have a longer cardboard tee that we put up so a person in a wheelchair doesn't have to ask a range officer to change their targets for them. 
It's a dignity thing, yep. and that came from Brad. Brad's like, yep. I'm a grown-ass man. I don't want to be asking right. a 20-year-old kid to change my targets for me. Right, exactly. So it's little things like that. If somebody comes in a wheelchair, my, constant, my retail staff radios the RSOs and tells them to hang a lower T in port 7. We got this guy coming in. And we set it up that way. That's the way it should be. It has exactly. to be open and in inclusive for everybody. But we go out of our way for that. So please, I'm going to repeat it again. It's Mama Yolanda. Y-O-L-A-N-D-A-S. I'm telling you, just use promo code CRIMEPROOF, all right, at their Shopify website, Mama Yolanda's. There is no limits. You get 15% off on a three-pack or a six-pack. Try it, all right? If you're going to get a triple, get two marinara and one vodka. The marinara is very, very good. Uh, one of the women uh, at, our, at our place, Sandra, used the marinara sauce to make a lasagna with her mom, like in a pinch. She's Italian. She would normally make her own gravy from scratch but she decided to since i gave her a free jar i passed them out to all the staff when brad had sent me the 12 packs and i'll tell you what she brought lasagna in for the staff and everybody loved it uh so it's good to have in a pinch better than those other supermarket name yeah, brands exactly so let's right. yeah, so let's support those who support you so let's get back to it a new uh trend has returned again the knockout game has come back to New York, and cameras have been catching it all over the place. Oh, so, yeah, so scum out there, scum criminals are actually sneaking up on people. One person out of a group will come over and randomly sucker punch you. I guess nobody's Possib as scared of coronavirus now. Wait, I have a question. Go ahead. Do you need to wear a mask if you're going to assault someone uh, with, a, with a knockout it, punch? Probably. Okay. Good. Probably. So in one week, an Upper West Side man was cold cocked in Chelsea. An unhinged stranger throws a roundhouse at a woman outside a subway oh, station God. on the Upper West Side. A Catholic deacon and another man were pummeled in separate smackdowns in the Bronx. This is in one week. All right. <laughs> and these, these kids are, these kids, they're in their 20s and 30s. They're posting videos of it on social media. Oh, great. Okay, uh, a guy and a girl were walking down the street and a man with a bunch of friends passed them. And one of the guys in the group doubled back and tried to sucker punch the woman. Oh, my God. The husband caught it out of the corner of his eye and chased him away. All right. Another stranger punched a 67-year-old man in the face on a Queen subway platform in an unprovoked attack. This is happening more and more. Ladies and gentlemen. If you're standing, waiting for a bus, subway or something, you need to have something solid behind you, a wall, a pylon or whatever. If there's two of you, you have to work as a, in a buddy system. Keep your. I, this is not the way to live, but unfortunately, you have hmm. to live this way. Yeah. You have to be in a heightened state of awareness all the time. You have to be in condition yellow. Condition white will get you killed. Now, the other thing you have to worry about is every time you walk past somebody going the opposite way on the street, that they're going to double back and knock you out. Right. There is really no way to predict this. How do we live like this? Right, exactly, in a lawless society. In a lawless society, how are we going to live like this? So the knockout game is back. You all have to keep your eyes and ears open all the time. You have to, you know, in my book, Crime Proof, we talk about this all the damn time. You have to watch out for everybody around you, your system, the circumstances. You have to be in yellow. Sometimes you have to be in condition orange, man. I mean, how do you just, somebody could be looking at you. Somebody might walk up to you and say, excuse me, do you have a light? And before you can even say no, they're going to knock you out. And you know, the reflexes of a 19 or 20 year old kid, Sandy, when you take somebody who's 67 or 70 right. years old, they're, you know, they're, they're not going to see the punch until it's coming back. Exactly. You, you know, let's exactly. let's fa let's face yeah, it. This is exactly this is right. dangerous, and people are going to hit their head and get concussions and die. Yeah, you're right. And until our lawmakers are serious about enforcing the law and getting rid of bail reform and our lock our revolving door criminal justice system, you want to know something? It's going to continue to happen. Mm -hmm. I agree. It's it's going to continue to happen, and it's really really horrible. I don't I don't even know what to do anymore. You know. Uh, we just have to be out there. Make sure you're at a tactical pen. Make sure you're carrying a knife. Whatever it is you, you can do, just carry it. Uh, Jim Howard donated to uh, three organizations, and he's going to be going to the D.C. Project event May 15th. 
Uh, I've gotten a ton more people who've, uh, Ken Armilio has made a bunch of donations. Scott F. has made a bunch of donations. Listen, this is how it works. At the grand opening, we're going to draw. If you donate to any of the five organizations that are trying to get rid of New Jersey's carry permit scheme, let's go through them. ANJRPC, NJ2AS, CNJFO, Second Amendment Foundation, and FPC, Firearms Policy Conference. All five of those. If you donate to one organization, you get one entry. If you donate to all five organizations, you're going to get five entries. And at the grand opening of the range, Henry Montefiant made me a seven-foot dory, and I will take that dory and sign it and take a picture with you and we will also get uh henry there who could be in the picture too and we will all uh have a good time and you will win that by supporting those who support you more letters from people my buddy joe out there he he put in for his permit and he, in saddlebrook and he's been waiting six months for his permits to come through and he hasn't gotten them yet because they just keep dragging their feet and i sent them the two letters that j factor made and i told them to send those and i told them to continue calling the chief the mayor the council freeholders or anybody and be firm but nice this delaying of rights is so overbearing in new jersey sandy all i get is calls and emails every day from people i'm waiting six months i'm waiting eight months i'm waiting a year just like i don't have any avi updates either uh bob uh, bob b sent me an email that he wants to be signed up he's shoe size 10 and now his magazine can, can capacity is no limits he just moved to kentucky his wife calls it gun tucky thanks for all you do <laughs> can't wait to get my book bob blows bob thank you so much uh let's let's plug cnjfo right now uh, the D.C. Project New Jersey fundraiser mentioned on Gun for Hire Radio is Saturday, May 15th in Moorestown, New Jersey, and partially sponsored by CNJFO. The public is invited to purchase tickets to hear remarks by CNJFO communications director and D.C. Project delegate, my hero, Teresa Einacker, and her distinguished guest. She's, she doesn't have really many distinguished guests, just Bill Heller from Heller versus <laughs> McDonald, Top Shot Gabby Franco, and in a, a huge lineup of people. If you're interested in going, you can check out dcproject.info or go to the CNJFO page and look at it up and sign up for it. And it's May 15th, and I'm trying all my might to be there, and there will be a ton of other people there. So support those who support you. We definitely need to all get together. Oh, I got a little uh, a limerick here from a listener called Scott. Okay, go ahead. He wrote, hi there. Please add me to your list. My shoe size is seven. My glove size is small. But please do remember that size isn't all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not done. After 20 in NJ, I train, teach, and shoot, save gunning to newbies, hitting target, not foot. <laughs> With hair stiff and Joe in his oval uh, orifice, we might all be in jail just because that we did this. Oh, that was a bad one. Our great constitution is trash talk this habit, but coming from Britain, we're lucky to have it. <laughs> so I implore every gunner, no matter their bore, to join to this list and firmly say no more. Nice. That was pretty good. That was pretty I'll give good. that a 7.9. I would, yes. I like okay. the one with the girl from Nantucket. There once was a girl from Nantucket whose favorite word. Oh, I gotta stop. Sorry, sorry. So, what am I got? What else do I have here? I gotta talk to you all. Uh, my book is right there. Mm -mm -mm. I could go for pizza. What about you? I'll go right now. By the way, uh, if you've ever been to Naples, Florida, don't go ever again. You wouldn't like it. It sucks. It's horrible Terrible. down here. Horrible. It, the it really is miserable. It's, I would not. The weather is horrible. So Tracy and I yesterday had dinner with none other than Chuck Leonard and his lovely wife Luann. Good man. Uh, he's another NRA master training counselor. He was NRA recruiter of the year for about him and her about six years in a row at Cabela's and uh, out in PA. And uh, he has had a little place in Sarasota slash Siesta Key. And we're staying here in Naples. And we drove an hour north, and he drove with his wife an hour south, and we met at a restaurant in Punta Gorda. 
and we had a good time. And uh, Chuck and I will be doing the NRA instructor classes in about three weeks. If you want to be an NRA instructor, now is the time to sign up. You need BIT, rifle instructor, pistol instructor, range safety officer, uh, chief range safety officer. It's going to be us, uh, Luann and Chuck and myself, teaching the classes. A couple of them are filled, but a few of them aren't, all right? Uh, Knappen published a list of all of the people that were allowed to buy guns, even though there was red flag laws. So this young kid that shot everybody up in the, in the FedEx facility in Illinois, he mm. shot up a lot of people he shot up there were Sikh, Sikh Indians, by the way. And uh, Indiana has a red flag law, and it's called Jake Laird Law, in memory of an Indianapolis cop who was killed by a mentally ill man after his guns were returned to him. But Brandon Hull, the 19-year-old behind Tuesday's bloodbath at the FedEx facility, uh, he used to work at it in Indianapolis, was apparently never the subject of such a hearing, even though he had been involved in a weapons case amid mental issues that involved the FBI last year. Even the FBI interviewed him. The FBI is so busy going after us <laughs> gun people, exactly. law-abiding citizens, that the criminals all slipped through. We're investigating uh, to get Joe, uh, Joe Biden's kid off of uh, charges, you know. Oh, yeah. So listen to this. On March 3rd, 2020, Brandon Hall had a brand new shotgun taken away from him when his mom called 911 saying he expressed a desire to commit suicide by cop. Nice. A police record of the incident states that the cops seized the shotgun from a dangerous person and that Hall was taken into custody for an immediate mental health hold. Under the state's red flag law, cops are supposed to file an affidavit with the court when a firearm is taken, explaining why the person who had it is dangerous. The gun owner has the right to a hearing no later than 14 days after the seizure. Oh, it's like a restraining order if they want to fight their case. After a hearing, if the court rules that the person is dangerous, law enforcement is allowed to keep the firearm. Okay, police have said whole shotgun was never returned to him, though there was no public filing or court record. So guess what? He was allowed to go out and buy more guns. Oh, great. And he bought, legally bought, the guns that he used to slaughter those people. Talk about holes in the system. This is all the time. So Knappen posted a list. I, I'm sure he plagiarized it from somewhere. But people that bought guns that weren't supposed to get guns because of background checks, uh, federal background checks, the Las Vegas attacker, the Orlando attacker, the UCL gun, uh, gunman, the San Bernardino attackers, the Colorado Springs attacker, the Chattanooga attacker, uh, the Las Vegas cop killers, Santa Barbara attacker. This goes, this, the Virginia Tech attacker, the Fort Hood attacker. These are all people that were, the one who attacked Gabby Giffords, the Aurora movie theater attacker, the DC Navy Yard attacker. All of these people were allowed to buy guns because of a failure of the federal background check system. And our government tells us every day we need stronger federal background checks. If it doesn't get reported, if it doesn't get followed through, and you leave a huge loophole, you think it's on purpose, Sandy? <laughs> yeah. Right? It makes you think, like, is this on purpose? Just like gun laws are written to be ambiguous, they do this on purpose because they want people to slip through so they can implement stronger gun control. Uh, you know, the, the civil part of me says, I hope not. Well, but it's also got to deal with the level of incompetence in any bureaucracy. What's that, the Peter Principle? Yeah. If you don't know what the Peter Principle is, Google it. But it's sooner or later, everyone will be promoted to their own level of incompetency, a.k.a. most of our elected officials. Once they get there, they reach the pinnacle of their <laughs> incompetency. <laughs> or as we used it to say, excrement floats. Excrement floats. You know, talk about learning. Um, John Petrolino, who you know we, we love, he wrote for JM4 Tactical, Use that 22 to, to train. And he wrote a great article that everybody should uh, read because especially with ammo uh, becoming so expensive. Yeah. You know, Glock makes the Glock 44, which is 22 now. Uh, there's 1911s in 22. There's a ton of rifle platforms in 22. There's even AR-15 rifle platforms in 22. And <clears throat> I've been an advocate of that for years. And my master from way back, Masad Ayub, used to say, Everybody should amass 22 long rifle ammo because uh, it was cheap at one time, and you can shoot 22 LR out of a 22 revolver, 22 semi-automatic pistol, and 22 rifles. It could be used to hunt small game. In a pinch, it could be used for moderate self-defense, and you can probably use 22 ammo as currency. 
Yeah, right. Should the crap hit the fan. Mm-hmm. So I'm a strong advocate of the 22. I don't have any. And you don't? No, not at all. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> right. Uh, so, you know, John wrote this whole article on why we should be training with the 22 as well. Listen, this, it, the, besides low recoil, which allows you to focus more on the whole process of shooting the gun, uh, you're going through the same mechanics, stance, grip, trigger control, sight picture, mm-hmm. follow through. You don't have the loud recoil, and you can aim smaller. You know, you can put a target up at 7 feet, 10 feet away, and put a circle the size of a half dollar or a post-it note dot and go for that and focus on it. You can also practice your holster draw, your target acquisition, your sight picture, your repeatability, double taps, triple taps, uh, 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 Mozambique, you know, two in the body, one in the head with a 22 all of this you can do over and over again so the progression would for me would be dry firing 22 and then center fire and you can always go back to the 22 and another reason john that you want to have a 22 is when you bring friends and family especially kids shooting for the first time your bank book will thank you if you have a few guns calibered in chambered in 22 you betcha your bank book will thank you because to have somebody shoot you know all your nine millimeter (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is not going to be good. Not today. Okay? No. The other thing is, ladies and gentlemen, just so you know, they're coming after ghost guns hard. The ATF leaked data. They want to put serial numbers on blocks of metal. I'm not kidding. It's ridiculous. They, they want to put serial numbers on blocks of metal, but the ATF is coming after ghost guns now, like many states, like New Jersey made ghost guns illegal. So if you have a, a, an 80% lower in New Jersey, it's illegal. If you make it 100%, it's illegal statewide and federal-wise. But people are printing three gu- 3D guns out now, all right, and, uh, and they're actually working, like where they're purchasing a slide online or at a gun show that has no serial numbers, which is normal. Right. And then they're making uh, the, the grip and the magwell and the whole lower part of the gun at home. How is our government going to legislate that? Cannot, How are they going to stop that? You cannot stop that. And, and listen, it's a hobbyist thing at this point. And is it any different than one? This country was started when somebody took a blacksmith, took a pipe, right. and made a shotgun You're for right. a farmer or a hunter. Yep. A farmer and a hunter were one and the same back then. Uh, that's a little known fact. Why do uh, why does center fire and rim fire is a caliber, but shotgun is gauge? Because back in the day, blacksmiths actually made shotguns for the farmers and the hunters, and the pipe that blacksmiths had from the coming from Britain was in gauge. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people don't know that. That's why you have 12-gauge, 16-gauge. Of course, 410 had to come in and screw it all up. You're right, exactly. Like, like a 10-millimeter socket in your toolbox. There's always one. There's, there's always one looking for that 10-millimeter because that's the only thing that works on the battery of your foreign uh, motorcycle or something. Right. Always la- Even a Harley-Davidson had a 10-millimeter socket back in the day when they were all um, you know English uh, sizes. But... But the metric system is coming soon, ladies and gentlemen. I'm 60, and when I was in kindergarten in 1966, we started because the teacher told us next year we were going full metric. So that would have been 1967. Um, We're still waiting. No, we're still waiting. (laughs) But the thing that changed it was the uh, Japanese import. That's what changed it for most of us. Was the exactly. I, that only only metric socket I owned when I was younger was a ten millimeter. That's pretty much it, yeah, because it was interchangeable. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's why shotguns are engaged. If you didn't know that, when you take our NRA classes, you learn all of this stuff because we uh, we have about three hundred years of uh, experience right. in, in teaching across the board. And our classes are still booked until about May. But if you go on Gun for Hire and click Academy, there are other classes open like holster draw. And uh, great gift ideas to buy somebody a basics of pistol, rifle, or shotgun shooting. Come in and learn all, all, all the basics. Uh, you, you will love it. We've been very, very busy with that. Sandy, I want you to plug your uh, VHS, please. Okay, we are raising money to provide care to homebound veterans and memory care to veterans. Uh, the GoFundMe is GoFundMe.com, VHS of Ocean County. That's VHS of Ocean County. Five bucks, ten bucks, anything that you can do. 
Uh, I think my, uh, my wife put it best when she said that, you know, these people, uh, they may have forgotten who they are, but we haven't forgotten who they are. And it is just really serious. Uh, these people are, most of them have outlived their friends and, and, and their families far away. And the only people that they see are the visiting nurse, uh, the only person that they see in the course of their week, and the families with uh people who have dementia it's just a a 24-hour living hill so a, a day in the memory daycare is a godsend for these people it takes about a hundred bucks a day uh, to provide care and so many of our listeners have sent in money last week was a dry week guys come on you got to get with it come on please everybody open those uh, checking accounts and let's uh, get it rocking and rolling please support those who support you we need you well, it looks like you've done it again. You've wasted yet another perfectly good hour listening to Gun for Hire Radio. Gun for Hire Radio is a kind of thing media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. On behalf of our show host, Master Trainer Anthony Calandro, down in Naples, Florida, and the rest of the crew here at Gun for Hire Radio in the cold, we love you guys. We will see you next week. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs>